Revelation chapter 21, and hopefully our mic's going to work all right today. We tested it out earlier, and it seemed to be working okay. It was kind of cutting out, I think, Wednesday night, but I believe we're okay tonight. Um, I do want to say this for those of you who were here last Sunday. My uh, girls felt a little embarrassed that they uh, had trouble with one of their songs, and they began to laugh, and it was, uh, it was after we spent several hours at the, at the uh, visitation, and I'll be honest with you, uh, one of the girls came to me and apologized, and I said, baby, I know your emotions were shot, and it was either laugh or cry. And so I said, I'm glad you laughed, because we needed, we needed to do that. But uh, anyway, I just thought I'd relay that to you for, for their sake. I'm going to uh, preach a message this, this morning that I, w- I started preparing last, for last Sunday, but God just would not allow me to do that, and I don't think my mind was clear enough to do it, honestly, with everything that was going on, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm, the message I'm going to preach about today is about, is about heaven, it's about heaven. Revelation 21, verse 1, and I started to have Brother Hopper read this because it has some really tough words in it before we get done. <laughs> And so I really wanted to abuse him, but, uh, but I thought I'm going to be a Christian. And, uh, uh, but Revelation 21.1, it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he sat upon the throne, uh, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. I just, uh, I'm going to stop right there just for a second, but uh, there's several things I want you to recognize. One, uh, there's some things in here we bypass, but one, he said there'll be no more sea. And I just want you to think about that. Like we have the oceans and the seas today, God says there'll be no more seas, dividing of the oceans and and that type of thing. Uh, But then it also says uh, that the... He makes all things new. It doesn't say he makes all things different. It makes all things new. And I just want you to think about that for a little bit. But neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. Verse 5, and he sat upon the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of, life, of the water of life freely. Now, I want you to skip to verse 10. Uh, we'll just skip down to verse 10 because i got a lot of verses this morning. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall great and high and had 12 gates. And at the, at the gates, 12 angels... And names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel, on the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. 
And the wall of the city had 12 foundations in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof, and the city lieth four square. And the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, an hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, and the fourth a uh, emerald, and the fifth sardonyx, and the sixth sardius, and the seventh chrysolite, and the eighth beryl, and the ninth topaz, and the tenth chrysoprasus, and the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was one was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it was transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb of it uh, are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall be shut. Uh, shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Now, I want you to go to Revelation 22. Look at verse 1. Again, I say there's a lot, of, a lot of verses here, but I just felt like I needed to go through all of these. And in verse 1, it says, He showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on every, either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healings of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall See his face and his name be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, they, uh, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. And he says, verse 7, Behold, I come quickly, and I will stop there. Uh, I'll, I'll just have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to, to just fill my mind. That, Lord, I yield myself to thee. And I, as, I, as I beg you, Lord, as I have many times this morning and last night, I ask you to please anoint me with your fresh oil. Guide my mind and my thoughts. And, Lord, help me to be a blessing to people, those that choose to come on a Sunday morning, that they'd find it, it worth the, worthwhile to be here. And that the word of God would permeate their hearts and minds and and Lord, I pray that you'd wrap your arms around this place as a mighty hedge of protection and you turn back every evil. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to, to bind the evil one from snatching away the word of God from us. Lord, I pray, please, yield me, use me as I yield to thee. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. We have, of course, the Lamb family that visiting with us and, and would not be familiar, but those of you that have been around a little bit, you know that many in this room today 
have had to face the reality of heaven this year, or at least in the last year. But at the same time, we struggle, if you're like me, we struggle to know and comprehend what our loved ones are really experiencing at this moment. And the Lamb, just for the family we've had uh, with my dad, it was the sixth one that we've lost this, this in, the, in basically a little over a year. But many, we, we struggle as we, we know about heaven, we believe in heaven, we know the Word of God talks about it. But I'll be honest with you, I just had to, uh, I've been doing this for a while. I've been saying, God, I need you to make heaven more real to me. I need you to, to help me to see it more clearly because uh, it's so many that uh, are, are facing heaven. And, and in that sense, I mean that we've had loved ones go there and we're looking and trying to think, okay, what are they experiencing right now? As I've been dealing with the, the many losses we as a church have faced this year, I've asked the, the Lord to help me understand a better way the reality of heaven. And not that it exists, but truly its physical attributes. What's really there? What's really in heaven? What's, what, what, what are our, our loved ones who have gone on before us, what are they experiencing right now? And so as I went through the, the verses, and, I, and it's going to be very simplistic, but at the same time, I hope it'll be a little bit encouraging to all of us. Uh, as I went through this, what can I know about heaven from the, just the verses just, that I just read and a few others? But, but number one, it's a physical place. It's a physical place. It, 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 God goes into great description of this physical place. It, it, uh, it says it has a, a wall with 12 foundations. And am I cutting out again? Am we doing okay? Still doing all right? All right. Uh, it has uh, 12 foundations. And I don't fully understand that 12 foundations. Uh, yes, it layer upon layer, that those kind of foundations under this wall. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, it, it, I don't understand exactly why we have to have a wall. I think a, a little bit, you know, it just uh, I, I can get that. But it has a, a wall, and this wall is is pretty massive wall. And, and it says in the verse that it's uh, uh, the basically the uh, the length of a of a man from elbow to hand. But then it says, and it says as is. I, I, I'm sorry, my, my mind is still unclear, as an angel, it kind of throws in a little phrase in there at the end, and I think, Lord, are you talking about, is this the length of the proportions of an angel? If it is, that's, that could be massive. Who knows how big an angel is? But even as a man, it's still a massive, massively high wall. It has 12 gates in this wall. And now, it's an amazing thing about those 12 gates. They're always open. But it has 12 gates because it says they don't need to close for the night because there's no night there. And so the, the gates are open. But each gate, and this is if you've ever heard much about heaven, it's an amazing thing. Each gate is one pearl. Each gate is not made of pearl. It's, each gate is one pearl. And as you know, people have said for years and years, that's one massive oyster. Uh, uh, if, if the gate in this massive wall is one pearl, each gate is one pearl, the city has streets made of gold. Now, truthfully, uh, when we get to heaven, the fact that they're made of gold, it's not going to, uh, to me, it's, 
if, every, if all your streets are made of gold, it's not like we're going, oh, my goodness, gold. It's just the beauty of it. And God, I think God's emphasizing to us that, that really gold is no harder for him to come by than, than the asphalt for us to come, although the asphalt is about as good as gold right now, uh, as much as it costs us to put it down. But, but, uh, but it just, it's made of gold, so clear and, and so crystal clear. The city has a river flowing from the throne of God. There, there is tree is a tree or trees in heaven. There's 12 kinds of fruit from the tree. The fruit is for the healing of the nations. There will be vines and the fruit of the vine in heaven. You say, where do you see that? Matthew chapter 26 verse 29 says this, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And Jesus said he's going to drink it in his father's tree, the fruit of the vine. So if you're going to drink the fruit of the vine, and I know God can do this without the fruit, but the fact is is that I think there must be vines and fruit of the vines there. There will be eating in heaven. Amen? Anybody happy about that? I'm kind of happy about that. I, glad, I, I like to eat. There will be eating in heaven. Revelation 19.9 says, And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the, are, are the true sayings of God. He said there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, that, that could be a, an incredible feast that we would be called to just that one feast. And there will be... This is uh, pretty incredible to me. There will be dwelling places for each of us that have trusted Christ. So it's, it's not an ethereal kind of place floating around from cloud to cloud. God says, Jesus said he went to prepare a place for us. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And listen to what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That sounds like a pretty physical place, all those things. A pretty real place. You know, there'll be, there'll be animals in heaven. I mentioned this at my dad's home, going to Revelation 19, 11 says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he sat upon him, was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Uh, look, if there's one horse, there's a good possibility there's more horses. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, but not only does it name, it just names the horse. And here's what I believe. If there's one animal, there's a good possibility there are other animals in heaven. And I'm going to go into that in a little bit more detail here in a few minutes. But, but uh, I believe there's more animals in heaven. And, and, and I think to me, that's, that's a very important. Now, I don't mean that all dogs go to heaven, okay? I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that your dog's going to go to heaven, okay? I'm not saying that any animal, no cat will go to heaven, there is a hell for cats, but, but no dogs. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm saying God has heavenly animals, okay? And so, so we recognize that those who have gone on before, we will recognize those who have gone on before us, I believe. Matthew 17 says, in verses 1 through 3, And after six days Jesus talketh, uh, taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, 
and was, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. I think the fact that, that they, these men are named, and, and look, those men didn't recognize him because it wasn't like they, you know, they took a snapshot of him and had that in their, in their wallet. Uh, they didn't know really what they looked like, but somehow God let them know who it was. And I believe he will let us know our loved ones in heaven. I believe he'll let us know uh, people in heaven. Now, a final kind of thought to ponder in this little section is it, it would be that God first created man to live eternally with him. And this man and woman were placed in a perfect environment called the Garden of Eden. Now, this is where I just want us to, to think a little bit. Now, that garden had trees. That garden had fruit on those trees. They bear fruit. We know that from the fact that, that how sin came into this world. But, but the garden had animals, for it says that Adam named them. And that garden was a place where God put Adam in it and told him to dress it and to keep it, which means to work it and protect that garden. Uh, this garden... So I believe by that statement, it was a garden where, where there could be a place of service and a place of accomplishment where you could have purpose. You, know, you ever think about eternity and wonder, okay, what are we going to do for eternity? But here, I believe this garden, there was a place of purpose. There was a place of service. There was a place of accomplishment. Now, if this beautiful garden, that's all I want you to think, if this beautiful garden was God's idea of an eternal dwelling place for man, and it was, because man, Adam, and he, they were made to live forever. And this was where God put them to live forever. Now, I just, in my thought process, it seems to me that God would not come up with a, with a brand new idea, something better, because he's God, and he doesn't have to try and see how this works and try and see how that works. He already knows what is the best eternity, okay? And he created this Garden of Eden. He created this world that we have, this planet Earth. He created it. He created man to live eternally. I just believe that when he comes to make all things new, it's a Real possible. I can't prove it, but I believe it's real possible. It's going to be just like it was. It's going to be what it was. And you say, well, but the earth, look, anything you see wrong in this earth was man's doing, not God's. And so I think it's a real place where we will go and we will really live and exist and, and be there uh, with a purpose. He simply is going to remake earth back to its perfection and beauty. One wonderful thing about the new earth is Lucifer, Satan, the old dragon, won't be there. He can't come tempt anybody. Now, Jesus has prepared wonderful dwelling places for us in this magnificent garden paradise that he's going to create for us, that he's working on right now for us. As I said, many in this room today have had to face the reality of heaven this year, but at the same time, we kind of struggle visualizing what are they doing? What's really happening? And we convince ourselves of some things, but I wanted to just take just some scripture and just walk through it a little bit. But it helps me 
to take a factual look at Scripture. Just when I go through and start reading about the things that God says heaven is, what it helps me to do, it helps me to, in my mind's eye, and you may not agree with this, but what I do sometimes as I'm praying or sometimes as I think about it, I think about Brother Hanson and I think about him in his boat on the river. That's, you know, there's a river in heaven. Amen? And we're going to eat in heaven, so we've got to have something to eat, so maybe there's fish in heaven. There's horse in heaven, so a fish is an animal, so does that not make sense to you? You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, tell me you're, we're wrong when we get to heaven. Okay? It's all right. Look, I just, it helps me to see him. You say, well, he's going to be praising. Of course he is. You know what? At every cast, every time he catches something, he's going to be praising God. He's going to be praising God as he walks to the river. He's going to be praising God. And look, you don't have to walk out and look at the creation of God. You can walk at any point and see the throne of God. But he's going to still be living. I believe the scripture says there's no more sea, but it does not say there are no lakes. The river has, has got to run somewhere, amen? This amazing place called the New Jerusalem is so incredibly big, big that the river that flows out of the throne of God must feed all of heaven, and it's amazing. And I'll mention that in just a moment. But it helps me to see Brother Cummings piloting a boat up and down that river, traveling from level to level of the New Jerusalem on this massive, beautiful river. It helps me to see Miss Donna in her home cooking and baking with the fruits from the trees that grow in heaven. It helps me to see Brother Jerry Hopper gathering a group of kids to play a basketball game. You say, will they really do that in heaven? I, you know, I believe everything that we're able to do here, it just won't be tainted. It helps to see my daddy riding his horse and so happy that there's no stables to clean. I was praying the other night, and suddenly I had this thought. And again, you don't have to agree with me, but these are just some things that have helped me and encouraged me. But I, Jesus said he, goes to, he, went, he went to prepare a place for us. There's many mansions in heaven. And, and of course, the new versions, the NIV says that's not mansions, that's rooms. And so it, it gives the implication that, you know, we're going to all gonna be thrown in some, you know, cubbyhole someplace for eternity, which is so retarded. Can I just say this? If it, if it is a room, you got to think about this. If Jesus made it, that room would be a mansion to us. But I, I just thought, if God made a perfect mansion for each of us, I just wonder... If when dad stepped into heaven, of course, he saw Jesus. Because people would say, the first one you're going to see is Jesus. Well, you can't see anybody but Jesus. Do you understand? Because everywhere you are in heaven, he is visible. So the moment you open your eyes in heaven, you're going to be seeing Jesus. You will be in the presence of God. But somehow, I also wondered, God, was he able to walk up to his mansion 
Would it have been a three-bedroom, 1,300-square-foot ranch house? On a 10-acre plot of land? Because, be honest with you, he didn't need any more than that to have a mansion. And could God have done that? Could God have us that perfect mansion? Never been perfect for us. Could it have been a duplicate of the home place? And when Dad walked inside Tuesday, he walked inside to the arms of my mom, who had been cooking and cleaning and preparing for 20 years. I know some of you may think this is an exaggeration, but let's think about what we're reading. When God describes the length and breadth of heaven, most estimate that to be about 1,500 miles in every direction. 1,500 miles, probably shaped like a, well, it's shaped like a square at its base, but probably a cube. And this would go well beyond the Earth's atmosphere into space. And if a, if a building in the city uh, is this high and has a, gen, you know, if you, w- if you would uh, made 12-foot stories, you know, if we wanted to say it really was rooms and we're all in stories, you know, 12-foot stories, and, you know, you'd have 600,000 stories. One estimate of the total number of humans that have ever lived on the planet Puts the figure at 106.5 billion. If we assume each and every one gets a place in the city, which we know not everybody that's ever lived has been saved, but but that leaves enough room for everyone. Here's here's how big your room would be. Taking everybody that's ever lived, and here's how big that room, as NIV puts it, it would be 1,500 feet, not 1,500 square feet, 1,500 feet on all sides. What you would have is a 2,250,000 square foot home, in room. So if it's a room, that's a mansion. How would you ladies like to clean a 2,250,000 square foot room? What that would equate to is about 51 acres. Now, we know, sadly, everyone who's ever lived will not be there. One estimate, the number, we have been, the number of people who have been saved throughout our time, if we, they put an estimate to it and then figured what each would have, it came to about 40 acres of land. Each person, if every, and there's millions and, you know, people that have been saved throughout time, and they put this figure in there, and they come up with, one came up to uh, 40 acres of land that each person would have in this massive structure. Now, this is a huge place which has been prepared by the greatest carpenter to ever live and has been paired by an omniscient mind that would know exactly what would be heaven for each of us. Think of it this way. If we divided the New Jerusalem into, into layers, each 1,000 feet high, you'd have 792 layers. And if you took the land mass of these 792 layers, they would be equivalent to 89 planet Earths. What, you say, Brother Hooker, why are you throwing all this stuff out there? Because I'm trying to get us to understand this is not only a place, but this is an incredibly massive place that God has created and Jesus has been gone. Omnipotent God, omniscient God has been gone 2,000 years preparing for us. That's incredible. 
what this must be waiting for us. So in heaven is the tree of life, which always bears fruit and 12 manner of fruit. And sometimes, again, I don't know, and here's why I'm not sure. It says the tree of life, but here's what it says about this tree of life. In the midst of the street of it, it being heaven, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life. It says in the midst of the street of it was the tree of life, and on either side of the river was the tree of life. Now, either God's saying this is one incredibly big tree, and maybe it could be, or maybe the tree of life is a type of tree that God says is, it's all over heaven. There could be mountains, there could be valleys and rivers and lakes and waterfalls because that's what we have in this earth. There will be the throne of God and Jesus sitting on the throne. His name shall be written on our foreheads for we are his forever. There shall be no more pain, no more suffering, no disease, no tears in heaven. There will be flesh and bone in heaven, but, it is, but, it is not, uh, but it's a new body perfect forever since people will be recognized in heaven it seems that you will know your loved ones heaven is a real place death is inevitable but heaven is real for those who know christ and folks i I don't know about you and apparently maybe it doesn't but it, it, it it really helps me to just get in the word of god and say god this is the way you described heaven that's so real that's so tangible it's so physical and you have that for us prepared many times over the last days i thought the dad had no idea when he got out of his chair to go to the bathroom that his next step and next breath would be in heaven I just thought he didn't get up thinking I'm going to walk toward the bathroom but I'm going to be in heaven before I get there. And here's what we don't understand. What is our next step and what is our next breath? And I think what we need to do is, is, is start really locking in on the fact that we are not going to live forever here. And we need to start getting ready for there. And I've had a lot of thoughts about the life of of my dad, but this is one thing that I, I really, really am excited about. I know he entered heaven growing in the Lord. Or if you entered heaven today, would you enter there growing in the Lord? Oh, you say all these things are there, but, but would you be entering heaven where you say, Lord, I've been learning about you, and I'm so excited now to learn so much more. What is your next step? What is your next breath? As you take the next step or next breath, another thing, thing to consider, and I'm done with this, I'm But if heaven is a real and physical place, now think about it. You help me. From the description in the Word of God, do you believe heaven is a real physical place? Do you believe it's a place where we live and we have 
purpose, and I know our purpose is to glorify God in heaven, but, but we, we have things to do. It sure, sure seems like that's what God is describing here. But if heaven is a real physical place, wouldn't that make us think that hell is a real place? And we think of heaven as this wonderful state of mind somehow that we're going to die here and somehow float away in our spirit and we're going to be in something at some eternal kind of state of mind of peace out there in Never Never Land. And because we think of it that way, I think we have a tendency, even though we're good Christians, we have a tendency to think about hell kind of like, That must be just be unpleasant and unpleasant condition of the mind. But if heaven's real and everything that's described about heaven is real, wouldn't everything that's described about hell be real? And don't you think if hell, if Jesus spoke more about hell than any other place, in Scripture, he spoke more about hell than any other thing. Don't you think he'd be speaking about something that was real? A real place. And I'm not going to go into it, but it just one little sentence. It says, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. So we have to realize, man, if we're saved and if our family and members have been saved, that's an incredibly exciting thing. It's a real place. And truthfully, I think the more you realize it's real and the more you keep focused on that, it won't be so, well, the older you get, the more you just want to go. You just want to get there. Just get it done. But if you're not saved, if you have any, if you have that continuous haunting doubt, here's what most people don't grasp. People say you want to live forever. Everyone will live forever. You just live forever in heaven where you live forever in torment but you will live forever I know I'm saying and I'll do I'll get this kind of out of my system and won't be speaking so much about it but when in the hospital and when dad came home from the hospital he was so weak and so tormented by the sickness, by the pain, by all that was going on several times. He just said, I just don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I want it to stop. He he looked at me one time and he said, son, nobody wants to go. He said, but I want to go. 
because he was suffering so much. I wish people could grasp that when you take that last breath, if you're in hell, that's exactly what you'll feel, but a million times more. And you'll want it to end, and you'll want to die, but you can't. And the few days of torment of mine my dad had that he felt like he wanted to die, but he couldn't. That'll be multiplied a million times if we don't know for sure we're on our way to heaven. Father, I pray that you'd bless. Lord, I...